Hello and welcome to the Interior Design Business, the podcast that's produced by the interior design community for the interior design community. My name is Jeff Hayward and today we're going to discuss the perception of the profession and the publication of a new book that will help improve it. Interior designers are well respected for their creativity, but it would be fair to say much less so for their business practices. Most design studios are micro businesses whose owners are often too busy designing to pay sufficient attention to contracts and other project documents. As a result, members of the public, architects and other built environment professionals can sometimes perceive interior designers as disorganized hobbyists and not as equals, and designers can find these attitudes difficult to combat. So, what do designers need to do to tighten up their business practices in order to be seen as true professionals? And where can they turn for advice? Well, luckily, help is at hand. The British Institute of Interior Design, in partnership with the Royal Institute of British Architects, have joined forces to commission a new comprehensive guide to professional practice for interior designers. It's called the BIID Project Book. Today, we're joined by the author, none other than my co-host, past president of the BIID and creative director of London firm Tissuta Interiors, Susie Rumbold, to find out more. Welcome to the interior design business. Hello, Susie. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jeff. It's really nice to be here. For those of our audience who don't know you, can you tell me a bit about your background and how you came to be an interior designer and author of this amazing book? Yes, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. So I became an interior designer nearly 30 years ago, 29 years and three months, actually, ago, um, having left a job in fashion retail um, in a buying office. Uh, I was made redundant in 1993 and, and set up my practice. But in those days, interior design was a shadow of, the, of, of what it is today. So it was very much um, about doing soft furnishings and furniture and colours, paint colours, things like that, and wallpapers and things. It was, it was very much on the decorative side. And there were not many people who were working as interior designers in the sense that we would recognise interior design today. So we were not doing interior architecture effectively back in those days. And even though I had no formal training, my business kind of grew with the profession. So over the last nearly 30 years, my, my company has become more and more sophisticated as in parallel with the, with the, the industry as a whole. So when I first started, what we were doing very, 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 or I was doing very simple projects. It really was, it really was just about, you know, as I, as I just described, it was, it was furnishing and, and soft fabric, soft furnishings and fabrics and colours. But I very quickly became frustrated because I would go into a house and I would sort of, the lady of the house would say to me, well, you know, what would you do with this room? And I'd say, well, I'd completely, I'd completely change the lighting. And she'd say, oh, look crestfallen and say, oh dear, you know, we've just had the house rewired. And I'd think, oh, I'm too late again. Or I'd go into a place and think, well, this room would be so much better if we could move that door or move that wall. So quickly, quickly, quickly became frustrated. And I was very lucky in the early days that I worked with um, a couple of really fantastic architects um, and some clients who were, you know, able to take a, a, a punt on me, which was very nice and confidence inspiring of them. But in working with these architects, I was able to keep my mouth shut, my ears open. I, I learned huge, huge amounts of how to how to actually run a practice, uh, how, rather how to run a project. And so 
I gradually started employing staff and, and the projects that we took on became more and more sophisticated until we got to the point where we were doing very, very large multi-residential developments of hundreds, you know, blocks of flats with hundreds of units in them and very big um, heritage buildings. Uh, we do a lot of work in, in uh, with listed buildings and heritage structures and, and we also do some amazing private homes and we've worked abroad. So I now employ, you know, quite a quite a substantial size team and um, yeah, that, that's what we do. So as a company, we've grown in, in scope and sophistication alongside the industry as a whole. And then from, from kind of these humble beginnings, I um, had joined, I joined the British Institute of Interior Design as a member in 2008, and then served on a couple of committees. And then in 2014, I was asked to come on to council. So I became a director of the British Institute. And then a couple of years after that, I was elected to become president-elect. And when you're within the British Institute of Interior Design, um, the presidency is a three-year gig. Basically, you become president-elect, which is vice president, then you become president, then you become past president over a three-year period. So you kind of sign on for three years. So I was president in 2016, past president in 2017, and then following on from that, um, stayed on council and maintained quite a high level of involvement with the Institute, including being asked to go on to a committee that was uh, overseeing the writing of a set of joint RIBA and BIID contracts for professional services. So that was a fascinating experience. And that was really my first exposure to, to the RIBA, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. So how did the book come about? So the book came about because the RIBA produced a document called the Plan of Work, which basically divides and this document gets updated reasonably frequently. And what the plan of work does, the RIB plan of work divides projects into a number of stages and identifies the activities and documents that should be produced by architects within each of those phases. But there was nothing that was terribly up to date that was equivalent for interior designers. So following on from the work I'd done on the contracts, the RIBA approached me and said, would I produce a book for interior designers that would tell interior designers what they should be doing within each of these RIBA work stages? And the reason that it's important is because the RIBA plan of work is a universal document, which is understood by not only interior designers and architects, but all other built environment professionals will relate their activities to this plan. And it's also true that many clients actually are also familiar with the RIBA plan of work. So it was felt that it would be a way for interior designers to kind of embed themselves more into the process um, and become a, a more integral part of that top table professional project team. It sounds like a mammoth production. How long has it taken you to write? Well, it's taken a while. So I was originally approached in 2020 and I started work in earnest probably at the beginning of 2021. And it was all day Saturday, all day Sunday, weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend. And I finally completed the manuscript in September, which was mostly on time. And ever since then, we've been going through the editing process. So it's had several really major rounds of editing as, as because it's it is a it is a textbook it's full of facts and everything had to be sort of checked and verified and authenticated and we had to get consent to use um certain bits of information from people who had contributed um so it's it's taken a long time and and we've really only just finished in the last month how would you characterize the relationship between architects and interior designers and and how that's changing if i go back 20 years the arc the relationship between architects and interior designers was was actually pretty terrible 
architects saw us as being disorganized, interfering, fluffy, um, irresponsible, uh, not appreciating the contribution that they were making and kind of sometimes derailing their projects. I think interior designers often found architects obstructive, probably because of what I was just saying. And I don't think it was a very happy relationship in many instances. But as the profession has changed, and, and I think it's, it's important to note here that actually interior design and, and or architecture and interior design are all part of the same continuum. Once upon a time, architects did everything, but as including if you go back into, you go back a couple hundred years, you have someone like Pugin who's designing the House of Lords and he's designing the doorknobs and the chairs. He's designing absolutely everything. And architects used to have a much broader scope. But these days, because buildings are so much more sophisticated and because we are so hidebound by regulation and we're worried about climate change and all the other things that people have to concern themselves with, architects tend to do the, the front end and, and then the continuum is picked up and that the interior architecture is finished off by the interior designer. Um, the architects these days are much more involved with things like thermal elements and how the building sits in the landscape and the external shell and core, the building systems, you know, the actual sort of structure, making sure that it's safe, that it stands up and that it, that it beds into the environment. Whereas the interior designers have a human centric focus and they will take it on, they'll look at how the clients are actually going to use those internal spaces what they're going to use them for, how they're going to set them up and how the systems in the building are going to allow them to carry on the activities that they need to within those spaces. So I think these days architects find us more palatable than they used to, particularly if so long as you're, you're one of the professional ones, they enjoy working with us. They usually are recommending to their clients. Often architects have internal interior design departments within their practices. So that tells you a great deal. I mean, they wouldn't employ interior designers within their businesses if they didn't recognise our contribution. And what was it like working with the RIBA on this project? The RIBA have been absolutely fantastic, I have to say. Uh, this is my first experience of, of writing a book, but I have been so impressed at every stage with the editorial team. I've worked with some amazing editors. They've just been supremely supportive they've answered my questions they've been really helpful they've been patient with me hopefully I haven't pissed them off too much I've been pretty on time actually you know I don't yeah you know, there's that there's that funny story um, Douglas Adams the late great Douglas Adams once said he loved editorial deadlines he liked the whistling sound they made as they shot by I was able to, to kind of stick to the stick to the timetable mostly um, so no, they've been they've been amazing. Uh, it's been a great experience. And the end product, the the project book itself, how how has that deviated from the initial brief that you were given? So the initial brief was to analyze interior design and place all the activities that interior designers do within the RIB plan of work, so that you could clearly see what you should be doing within each stage. And it was felt that that would help interior designers kind of bed more. Um, thoroughly into the professional team um, because everybody else in the project on the project team would be doing the same thing so structural engineers ME consultants all those people would be they would also be working within the RIBA plan of work stages but it quickly became apparent that there was a bunch of stuff that um, is not covered within that that interior designers that form key parts of what interior designers do um, at the back end was all the FF&E supply. So with architects, their job pretty much finishes as the building project finished, 
finishers. So they don't get involved in the supply of anything the way we do, whereas there needed to be a big section in the book to cover off how to specify and manage the installation of, of big FF&E packages, including soft furnishings, dressing, styling, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then at the other end of the, of the, of the book, that we also felt and this was very much following discussions with council at the BIID, that there needed to be some kind of meaty sections on how to actually set up an interior design practice. So we've included sections on things like employing staff, contracts, how to set up a website, how to make sure everything that you're doing is compliant, the policy documents that you need to have in place. I mean, it's it's not massively exciting stuff, but it also, it's just all stuff that you need to do and you need to have in place if you are going to run a professional business. Um, we've also included a big section on the health and safety, the CTM 2015 regulations, um, and there are a couple of big sections on sustainability and sourcing and supplying sustainably. Among many other things, there are sections on listed building, dealing with wildlife, as you know, you name it, it's in there. Um, and all these things were not covered off in the RIB plan of work, but we felt it was it was something that interior designers should have as a, a ready resource. So this should be the book that you go for. This should be the thing that you grab every time you have a question on any subject. And perfect for designers who are starting out in business. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, but although I think I think the book has wider, I hope will have wider relevance than that. So it's it's ideal, it's it's really, it's squarely aimed at obviously graduating students. It's aimed at anyone who's considering setting up an interior design practice. Um, it's also will be very useful, I think, to anyone that's already in practice. Um, I've been doing this for nearly 30 years and I learned so much through the process of writing this book, I can't tell you. And I also think interior designers working within architectural practices will find it useful as well. Is the book only suitable for interior designers in the UK? We have tried to make it so that it's it covers off all the jurisdictions within the UK. So where different legislation and things like building regulations, for example, differ in Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales and England, we've given sections on where people, so we, we, we don't give massive amounts of information, but what we've done is we've said, okay, this is where you need to go to find out the information. Um, so we've tried to make it global across the home nations, but but further than that, we've deliberately, and this was a, this was something we discussed right from the off, we've deliberately set out to make it non-jurisdictional. Um, and even though we advise designers working in other parts of the world that they obviously need to go out and do their research and make sure that they're compliant with the regulations and the structure of the industry within their own spaces, the overall advice is global so it's good advice for wherever you wherever you happen to be practicing so i think you could certainly use it if you were if you were working in australia or you were working in america or you were working in japan or indeed anywhere else in the world it, it would be a it would be a useful tool and useful not just for interior designers but for other construction professionals yeah i think i think that's true i think it would be useful for anyone who wants to understand what interior designers do and the role of the interior designer so you know from that point of view i suppose it's also useful for members of the public that might be considering a career in interior design too it's it's just a really good useful book and i think it will also have relevance for um, architects who have interior designers within their practices and any architects who may wish to work with interior designers and as we were saying earlier it's something that's becoming more and more normal now that architects are actually recommending to their clients that you know now would be a good moment to go and find yourself an interior designer um, you know it's so important that, that we work 
closely with architects because I think, and I think architects understand this because they recognize that the, the back-end contribution that interior design makes, makes their projects so much better and so much more easy to publish and to photograph and you know makes their clients happier at the end of the day because the client has received a full service so it, it shows everybody in a better light if we work together like this what are the areas that are actually covered in the book oh my goodness jeff it just it's it's very comprehensive i i, I get weak when i think about it um so we talked about things like how to set up a business how to employ staff um, all the things that you need to do to, to be legally compliant when you set up a website. Um, it covers contracts. It covers the role of all the other, the roles of all the other built environment professionals. So it tells you exactly what they do in the relationship between those other people and the interior designer. Um, it talks about the difference between, and this is something that's widely misunderstood, um, interior designers work in two ways we we work as professionals when we provide professional services to our clients but we also work as a commercial entity when we sell our clients either as principal or as agent when we sell things to our clients and there is a conflict can be a conflict here because these two these two parts of our role are covered by very different legislation so it covers off that um, that's something that most people including myself didn't fully understand until I actually wrote the book there are big success big sections on sustainability um, there are whole sections on things like how to specify joinery there are whole sections on things like how to specify lighting without kind of getting caught up in you know different dimming systems you know there's quite a lot of technical information but I've tried to make it as, as easy to understand as, as possible and things like how to set up drawings you know it's just a it's just a kind of how to guide for it's everything I wish I'd known 30 years ago when I started so it's focused very much on business practice and process yeah no that's that's quite true there, there are no pretty pictures in here um it's not a book on style uh it's not a book on how things should look because to be honest that's that's entirely beauty is in the eye of the beholder beauty is in the eye of the client you know we we all design things that are very different um and doesn't make them wrong provided your client is delighted you've done your job um and so this is this is this is not a book about about that it's not a book about aesthetics and i i make that very clear at the beginning but it is a it is just a handy reference book that will give you the inf the answers to any question hopefully that you can think of and you know if I ever revise it, people want to tell me, give me suggestions of things that I've left out. I'd love to know about them because I'll probably start collating a list of things for the, for the next edition. What were the most difficult parts to put together? One of the things about, about the built environment and interior designers' role within the built environment professional team is the fact that buildings are evolving at such a pace. You know, we're living in a, a time of seismic change. And so the, the most difficult bits for me to research, I wouldn't say they were difficult, but the, the bits that I had to put the most effort into were, were making sure that the information on things like sustainability and um, climate change and how our industry relates and has an impact on those two things um, were really up to date. So there's a big section on things like the circular economy. So it's I've tried to make it the most up-to-date thinking on all areas there are also um areas of things like ergonomics and anthropometrics which we've included which are which are kind of interesting um things like trends in in 
sizes of residential units. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of information, but it should be it should be best practice and most up to date thinking for interior designers. So I think anyone that reads this should be able to go out and you know impress people. What did you learn most from writing the book? I learned heaps. I think for me, it was just the process of setting out the entire thing from where to go. So every single stage, what am I doing here? What am I doing there? What do I do next? How does that follow on? How does it all link together? And so I think it's clarified my thinking and it's certainly changed our business. We now do things internally at Tesuto differently than the way we did two years ago. And part of that is due to the clarification that's come to me as a result of preparing this manuscript. When will the project book be available? So the project book will be available to buy from the 1st of July. It's very exciting. And yes, hopefully everyone will rush out and buy one. We'll see. And what happens next? How are you promoting it? The British Institute of Interior Design are, organize, are organising a launch in September. And I think the RIBA may be doing something too. And there's various talk about other other launch events. So there'll be, there'll be things going on. And then the main thing that they want me to do, because one of the key target markets for the book is students. So there are plans afoot to kind of send me out all over the country talking to university students, um, starting from September onwards and running through towards Christmas as, as the uni students go back to school and get stuck back into their, into their courses. Um, one of the things that the universities it's, it's not that they're not doing it, it's just that they, they can't do it in any depth is touch on professional practice. So within most curricula, it's, it's only just touched on very, very, very briefly. And the reason for that is quite simple, that A, they haven't got time to teach it when they're trying to teach everything else that interior designers need to know, but also they don't know, you know, interior designers work in so many fields that a lot of it wouldn't be necessarily relevant. Um, so it's important that there's another a resource that in, that students can go to when they when they want to find out all this stuff if they if they're starting work or they're specifying or drawing or whatever else it happens to be that they're that they're working on. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Susie. We're all looking forward to the publication of the BIID project book, and I'm sure that our audience will find it an extremely valuable guide for business. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jeff. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode and please do get in touch on our social channels to share any feedback. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Interior Design Business Pod. Thank you so much for listening. The Interior Design Business is a Wildwood production.